Hi guys and welcome back to We Don't Need Roads. My name's Chris and now normally at this time sat on this side of me would be Brian but unfortunately Brian this week isn't feeling too great so we have a new co-host and she's also my guest today on the show. Please ladies and gentlemen welcome her name is Maluna. Can I clap myself? You can clap is that, myself. Is that, is that a bit egotistical? No, that's, that, honestly, that's fine. We have a live audience. Not that you can see them, but they will be clapping Ooh. at the same time. Pleasure to have you come on the show. You know, um, out of everyone I messaged to see if they wanted to come on, I, I sort of had an inkling that you might, but I know, well, I'm well up for things like this. I know how busy you are, and I know you, yeah. you, you, you've absolutely smashed the streaming world. And, you know, I was like, oh, I'd really love it if Mel could come on. And Tanya was like, I'm sure she will. She's such a lovely person. And I was like, I really hope she does. And when you said, yeah, go on, yeah, I'll, I'll do it, I was like, Yes. <laughs> yeah, just tell me what like it's like basically just give me some dates and I'll make something work. But I mean and the main the main thing is like as as busy as as I get, the one thing I never want to either turn down or change or move is streams. And I get told off for that all the time. My community tell me that tell tell me off. Like if you're tired, why are you streaming? Like you didn't need to be here tonight. <laughs> it's like, no, I want to do things <laughs> because this is this is my baby. This is what I do to be happy as a hobby so yeah but thank you for asking me no you are more than welcome and i and to be perfectly honest i completely agree you know um i messaged you uh a couple of months ago and well about a month ago and i said look mel we're taking a step back from streaming on twitch uh but i just want to let you know that whenever physically possible i'll be in your stream um it just all sort of become too much for us mm. um and we tried streaming on YouTube and we were like, it's okay. It's all right. I tried, I tried it. Um, I tried it last, uh, the be well, we're still in, no, we're in October now, aren't we? I tried it last month uh, for a day off Twitch. And to be honest, it was all right, but it just didn't quite feel the same. No. Um, and my community were very lovely and they all hopped over for the day. But I think they missed like my integrations and things, which are obviously all very Twitch centric. Yeah. Um, but we still had fun. But yeah, it's it's all about keeping your headspace where you want your headspace to be. And uh, Twitch is my outlet. So even when things are going absolutely mad, the last thing I want to do is say no to streaming because this is what cheers me up. This is what keeps me happy and engaged. And I feel like I have like, like it's mine my thing yeah it, uh, and that's the way I, I do feel about streaming and like I, I miss it terribly I really do like I, I have messages coming from all members of our community and they're like oh it's great watching your videos but you know we, we miss the interaction and we miss being able mm. to give you bits and this that and the other and I'm just like 
I want to come back. I, on, honest to God, I want to come back. But at the moment, it's just not the right time for us. And I still need that creative outlet. So does Tanya. Um, which actually, if you haven't already done so, make sure you subscribe to the channel because there is a cooking video coming. Ladies and gentlemen. Mm, cooking. Tanya did um, three variations on millionaire shortbread. Ah, oh, that with, sounds dangerous. With a Christmas twist with with mince pie filling now i've been getting told off on a stream because i've started eating mince pies already i have people coming and going it's october and i'm like they're in the shops already so i'm going to eat them uh, i am a sucker for mince pies like i love a mince pie so obviously we have uh, four categories that we always cover on the show um, but obviously the categories change from week to week. Now, for those who don't know, Mel, uh, does a lunchtime stream on her Twitch channel, which all the links will be down below. And you cut, you cover a wide, a very, very wide variety of TV shows, don't you, Mel? Massively wide. Yeah. So I started Virtual Lunch Club when, um, basically we went into first lockdown in March, 2020 um company that i worked for and do still currently work for um actually uh sent us home a month before the government a month god that would have been lovely a week before the, government, <laughs> before the government lockdown um so i was at home like a whole week beforehand and um i um especially when it comes to like professional work like my actual day job i can be a little bit of a workaholic and i don't look after myself so the Main thing I thought is just like, oh, this is going to be hell. I'm just going to be answering emails and WhatsApps and phone calls at all hours of the day. I'm not going to take any breaks. I'm not going to eat. This is just being going to be just like being on like some fast turnaround production. This is not going to be healthy for me. So um, I decided to do an hour lunch break stream every day with my community so that I would turn off my emails, close bloody Microsoft Teams and just be left alone for an hour relax physically eat something with company albeit like virtually and um and then that would be also like my little kind of like break in the day so that i was definitely kind of looking after myself having a little bit of headspace and then also kind of sharing things with my community that maybe they hadn't seen or they suggest stuff that maybe i hadn't seen um and it started off just like with silly things. I think the first week or so, we watched animal videos. We wa we we watched like I don't know. No cats I, do the craziest thing. I do remember. Thing. Yes, I do remember. I remember coming in and I literally said in chat, I was like, "What?" And it was yeah. just like in capital letters, "What? What's yeah, going like, on?" This is, this is what we're doing. Um, and then it slowly became um, pretty much like a a, a retro. Um, tv hour show that i did every day um and what we do is we have a theme every week so um themes kind of like a crowdsourced we just uh, i discuss them with the community they throw some ideas out we see how it would work they suggest um shows and basically my hard cut off is 2000 so anything pre-2000 to me is retro mainly because in my head like 1995 is still like two years ago but i refuse to uh, think like 2000 is 21 years ago um and uh we started watching anything and everything along whatever that week's theme would be 
So we've done stuff like murder mystery. Um, my favorite one is whenever we do a show um, or a run of shows, which are just like, I don't know, Doctor Who elsewhere. So we'll pick, I don't know, John Pertwee and Peter Davison and three other either companions or notable guest stars, but we'll find them in other programs. So there's a loose link towards the week. Like this week we're doing first episodes. So we're watching pilot or first episodes of long running. Well, it's mostly been sitcoms really. But I, we, we've watched stuff as early as um, the 60s all the way up to the noughties. Although I do tend to kind of navigate more towards the 60s, 70s mark, just because that's what I was brought up on in my household. A lot of 60s and 70s comedy. Um, same with music as well. So I'm always sort of like a little bit of... of been born outside of my time because I've I've watched and I've seen and I I know of stuff specifically comedy um which usually someone who was born in the 80s like myself wouldn't know and the lovely thing about Twitch is I found a lot of other people <laughs> who are pretty much like in my age range who also have this knowledge. And it's like we've all kind of banded together and we've made the hive mind. And we have lunch together every day. Well, Monday to Friday, I have my weekends off. TV mm -hmm. shows of the past. Yes. Now, this is gonna be a very difficult first question for you, Mel. And I know it is, and I've, I'm not gonna apologize in any way, shape or form. Favorite TV show of the past, pre 2000. Do you know what? My my knee-jerk reaction would be to go Red Dwarf, but technically that's still running, although it did start pre-2000. In terms of my comfort and something from that era that I fell in love with and is a reason why I have a freaking headshot of Dave Diana Rigg as Emma Peel behind me, it's going to have to be the Avengers. And no, I don't mean the Marvel Avengers, for those of you who are too young or are not aware of the Avengers television series or the new Avengers television series yeah. um, that ran in the 60s and 70s. Um, but I think it was the first thing I remember watching where there was uh, a strong independent woman that was an equal to a man in that sort of spy-esque genre. Because you're always seeing, like, don't get me wrong, like Bond girls can be sassy as hell. They can be awesome. They can be assassins. But ultimately, it's always like, James, rescue me. Like, they're, they're a love interest. Whereas um, Kathy Gale, who was on a Blackman um, before um, Dinah Rigg uh, being Mrs. Peel, um, were both very kind of take no prisoners. I will karate chop you if, you're, if I'm not happy. And had a very kind of like playful but respectful relationship with Patrick McNeese John Steed and also it's just the aesthetic like the, it's like every everyone suddenly in in the uh in the late 60s early 70s went we've got Technicolor now all the colors so everyone's wearing the most amazing things um the shows um <laughs> the shows what episodic premise is always something between sci-fi and just freaking sublime um and it, it was just like a little mini adventure and yeah no I adore it although very and a tiny runner-up after that 
would be something I've only rec- I've only sort of like knew was a thing in the last maybe two years, which is Who Done It, which was a celebrity panel murder mystery show that was originally presented by Edward Woodward, um, but then switched over to John Pertwee, and uh, it's 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 my um, it's it's like live Cluedo. And I love that. But no, my, my answer would be the Avengers. I didn't think that would be I didn't think that would be so easy. But yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with 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 Dame Diana behind me. Final answer. And Steve. Yes. This, uh, we're, we're gonna make this episode a little bit like Room 101, but it's not gonna be Room 101. We're gonna put things on a pedestal. So you are putting <laughs> you're gonna be putting the Avengers up on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. Um this will be no big surprise to anyone who knows me, Doctor Who. Now now I know the the Doctor Who is still running, mm. but very much like you, um, I, I, I class it in two categories. So we have classic Who, and then new Who, and then we That's have how new I do Who it as well. Yeah, right. They are the same, but at the same time, different. Very different. Yes. Mm. So for me, classic Who was really the first TV show. As an understanding child, I got to watch. Obviously, mm. I watched He-Man. I watched Turtles. I watched Transformers. Again, for people who are watching this who don't understand, yes, these were cartoons in the 80s. Yeah. Robots in disguise. Yeah. But yeah, Doctor Who has, has, has always stuck with me. And very much like um, when the Avengers started and they, we had Technicolor, it was mm. the exact same for me. Like watching... Go- my parents were very, very, you must watch this. You will love it. And I was watching, like, William Hartnell and John Pertwee, not John Pertwee, uh, Patrick Troutman episodes that my dad had on VHS that he'd recorded off the telly because um, I think, like, BBC had done, like, a Doctor Who rerun marathon thing at 3 mm. o'clock in the morning. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's black and white. It's okay. Um This will make perfect sense in a moment. I had... My first TV was a black and white box. (laughs) That's the only way I could describe it. It was a box that had this eight-inch screen that had a dial to find the TV channels. I actually ended up putting a mark on the, the frequency for each... BBC oh, so One, BBC Two. So I knew where they yeah. were. I had one that I had my, my one in my bedroom had the clunky buttons. So first clunky button was was BBC One, yeah. Two, ITV, Channel Four, um, and obviously no remote. No, oh, <laughs> you were the remote. That's the point. Uh, uh, back when we were kids, Mel, like, did you ever have this? Tap on the head, change the channel for me, please. BBC no. One, please. You know, if 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 if, if it did, I've I've wiped it from my memory. I I I'd literally, my mum and dad would be sat behind me on the sofa. I'd be sat there watching telly, and it would get to seven o'clock, for example. EastEnders was coming on. Mm. My mum would tap me on the head. BBC One, please, Chris. Get up. BBC One. Sit back down. And half hour later, ITV. Yeah. Up you get change the channel. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I was the remote control for the first like 10 years of my life. 
I was like programmed from a very young age. It was like, if I say this number, you press this button. But yeah, so I, um, I very much enjoyed uh, Doctor Who because it was in black and white and the TV in my bedroom was black and white. So I was used to watching stuff in black and white. Colour TV was only downstairs. So it didn't bother me. Um, and that's what a lot of people say to me. They're like, don't you find that the black and white ones were boring? I'm like, no, they're probably the best ones out of the whole series. No. There's definitely a different style of pacing in writing yeah. um, in stuff in the 60s. Um, I think it's it's quite notable in the Avengers between obviously like Honor Blackman and um, Dinah Rigg episodes. Uh, they are a little bit more sedate in terms of how the plot moves on. But obviously like in a world where we watch 60 second TikToks these days, like attention spans over the years have got shorter and shorter and shorter. Um, but to the point where, obviously, at this point, uh, unless something was repeated, which didn't really happen in the 60s and 70s that often, um, they were also able to reuse scripts a lot. So there's a couple of Honor Blackman stories that you can see have basically been rewritten. And then uh, they do it again in colour <laughs> with Diana Rigg and Patrick McNee, which are almost almost carbon copies. But um, but no, I, I, I might, I've got a question for you. Go on. So I, I like it when guests give me questions. Yeah, <laughs> my favourite Doctor Who mm-hmm. episode from Classic Who mm-hmm. is An Unearthly Child. So my my favourite um, Classic Who, mm-hmm. Doctor Who, is William Hartnell. Mm-hmm. And uh, don't get me wrong, I love Pertwee. Oh, God. I love Pertwee. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's a very close second. But that kind of grumpy, know-it-all kind of was just it it was a really good portrayal and for me yeah classic classic who because you have people be like no tom baker and i was like no don't get me wrong tom baker's brilliant as well i'm not saying any of the other ones are terrible because they're not but for me that that was like a a great pinnacle it's a great opening episode a good good little bit of lead up you kind of know what you're in for and also the older ones are, are very kind of historical based it's almost like and it was marketed for children like you're sat down and watching, oh, I don't know, let's find out what Genghis Khan was like because we're going to go back and see him today in Doctor Who. Um, but if we're talking new Who, mm-hmm. um, I'm a David Tennant girl through and through. Um, but weirdly, my favourite David Tennant episode is properly Blink, which he's barely freaking in. Um, so my question for you would mm-hmm. be your favourite classic Doctor Who an episode mm-hmm. and your favourite current new Who okay. Doctor Who an episode so, so I find this interesting so I have to, I'd have to say my favourite episode I can't pick between for Classic Who I can't pick one it's actually two mm. uh, but it's the same Doctor ah okay so it's actually uh, John Pertwee and it's Is John Pertwee it's John Pertwee's first episode and his last ah. episode um, purely because if you watch very, very carefully, there's so many similarities from when he becomes the Doctor to when he leaves being the Doctor. Mm. Um, but in the same time, you can see how the Doctor has aged It in that time period of how he was very... The Doctor's been very well known for being a bit crazy after regeneration yes for whatever um, reason 
frenetic, I yeah. think is a good word. Yeah. Frenetic, yeah. Um, but then if you, you watch how he is very um, loose cannon-ish, mm. um, in the first episode he, he wants his shoes constantly, um, and you know it, it takes him a very long time to get realise, actually, I'm the Doctor, I don't need to act like this. And then you watch how he's matured and, you know, it absolutely... Obviously, I wasn't alive when it originally aired, but when I, when I mm. saw John Pertwee's final episode, it absolutely broke my heart. Yeah. Um, I, I physically loved the John Pertwee as the Doctor. Um, I know it's been brought up on your show in the past, when I've been in chat, that mm. uh, John Pertwee was actually a spy for the British government. Or he, he worked within the military, and that's why he... I, I, I'm going to have to Google it, because... I'm trying to think. Um, um, he served in the Royal Navy and Navy, Navy Intelligence Division during the Second mm. World War. That's... that's Because that was the whole thing. Was, I, I, I really loved is the fact that he brought so much of the... Naval Intelligence spy aspect into the Doctor, you know... We were, he was the first doctor to really have gadgets. He was the first doctor mm. to really... Like, okay, uh, the second doctor had a sonic screwdriver, but that might as well have been it. It, 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 it was just literally a stick that he... Because, sort of... because Pertwee's obviously, like, landlocked. Mm-hmm. Um, he almost becomes James Bond and Q rolled into one. Precisely. And also, like, I'm a big fan of UNIT. I love, I love, um, you know, and the interactions within Pertwee is as well. Mm. And um, it just kind of builds upon that. I think that's probably why um, I took to Torchwood so much when it started. Because I I was just like, wicked. Like, this is basically like a slightly more renegade version of Unit, you know, like, screw the United Nations. We're doing what we want. And it was in Wales. And everybody loves the freaking Welsh. I love the Welsh. So we're going to go straight into category two, which is being a streamer and why. Now, what is it like being a streamer? And why did you start streaming? What's it like being a streamer? I'll answer that spit second. Because okay. I have to think about that. Because I think a lot of people especially when you start streaming and you do start getting a community there's a there's a massive thing called imposter syndrome where you're just like i'm just an idiot in my bedroom why are you guys here <laughs> but anyway what um started streaming um i didn't know twitch existed until um i met my other half i now um and he he actually was the one that was really pushing for me to give twitch a try He's like, I think you'd really enjoy it. Like, I know how much you like playing your games, uh, especially the ones that, that obviously need decision-making because I was doing a lot of Telltale and stuff at the time. So I started streaming directly from my PlayStation to Twitch uh, with my PlayStation camera and a headset which had a terrible mic on it. Um, I sound like I'm literally tinny as hell. And um, it became something that um, I would do to unwind when I came home from work, basically. Be like, okay, I've done for work today. Um, we'll do, I don't know, another chapter of Telltale's The Walking Dead. That's a two-hour stream. I'll have a natter with some people. And what I found when I first started on Twitch was um, there's a very strong, like, core PlayStation community. 
in terms of uh, I think a lot of people would either search out or see people playing or streaming directly from a PlayStation because it's pretty obvious from because you don't have any fancy overlays or anything and the it's the the PlayStation HUD still is to this day pretty basic when you stream. Um, and I made some good friends there and we, we started chatting. And I think the more I kind of got into my stride with streaming and the less I kind of started, stopped thinking about being so scared all the time, it's something I started to pour a little bit more time into. Um, my partner, Ronel, already had a channel, but he was very sporadic. And I mean, very sporadic in terms of streaming. Um, so once we both sort of decided that we were going to give it a bit of a crack, we we kind of like, okay, well, we'll stream every day, uh, every Tuesday, once a week together. Um, and uh, we, we both started using Twitch a lot more, which is nice. And I think the main thing that Twitch did for me at the time is it coincided with me getting a PS4, which was my first proper console I'd had for a very long time. I'd had lots of handhelds. Um, but it helped reignite my passion for gaming and also um, in my day job because I'd spent quite a lot of time enabling other creative people to make sure that their visions get made. It meant that I got to do something creative and fun in the evening and have my own little creative outlet. And then, I mean, how long have I been on Twitch now? Like four years it must be coming up to and I'm still here and I still love it. But What's it like being a streamer? Um, it totally differs from person to person. For me, it's like rocking up and talking to my hive mind, which is why I call us the hive mind. Because <laughs> I think we're all on the same wavelength. We all got pretty much the same interests, if not all the same interests. Yeah, and um, we're always very much kind of on the same page, but not to the point where it's cliquey, which is what I like. Which goes back to what you were saying um, before when we spoke, um, that it's still an inclusive community, um, even if because my I think my general age of I think the youngest person I have in my community is like seventeen, and I think my oldest is in their late fifties um so there's so a real it's, sort it's, of like it's a nice nice age it's, range it's, it's a nice age range like everyone is what i would term a mature adult um like no one's an idiot and we're all grown-ups and hopefully we conduct ourselves that way like occasionally you'll get a little bit of a little bit of a niggle or something or someone comes in and they, they're not quite the right fit in which case you know either myself or my mods will be just like look just tone's just not quite right like i'm not sure if you're aware but this could be you've seen this way and nine times out of ten they'll be like oh my god i didn't even think of it like that i'm so sorry i'll take it down or i didn't mean it like that and everything's fine and they stay and we all gel together occasionally you get someone who throws their toys out the pram and they leave um but i mean at the end of the day if, if that's how quickly someone says like you're in my house you're in my stream you're in my house yeah so you're definitely. you're a guest you're not you're not entitled to be here <laughs> so you either behave or you get out that's that's kind of just how the world works um so yeah i would say streaming for me uh is primarily a creative outlet it's definitely become in the last 18 months my main social media like that forget twitter and instagram and the rest of it like this has been on Twitch 
my main way of communicating and checking in with people or checking in with friends. It's definitely, it definitely made me make more adult friends, not meaning that my friends before were all children. I mean, like, I feel like it gets older to make friends as makes older, gets harder to make friends as you get older. Obviously you get like work colleagues, you're not doing like school things, you're not playing school sports, you're not in different classes with people. So there's less sort of like natural socializing. So yeah, Twitch, Twitch for me has become a lovely way of life and an escape for me. I think that's the main thing. I, I think you, you touched on a the subject there and I, th I think it sort of goes back to what you were saying earlier about, um, you know, your community and, you know, having that selfish moment of making your, not making, but having your community um, look out after you. The fact that, you know, making sure you ate, you ate properly. And I, I know from my experience, a lot of my community that were watching us while we we're on Twitch and a lot of them that have come over to YouTube for us, um, you know, we, we class them more as friends now than, mm. than, than we do just people who watch us. You know, um, you know, I, I, I can talk to someone who's a regular in my community. I'm not talking about people who just come in sporadically once every six months or whatever. I'm talking people who regularly are there in chat and I can say, oh, yeah, by the way, how's such and such in your family? Or, you know, did you enjoy the movie you went to go and see the other day? Mm. And, and it is like having a core group of friends that you never really see, you know, they're there, but you never physically yeah. see them. It's naturally really transient. Cause like, obviously like you'll always have people going in going, I'm really sorry. I've not been here for a while. And it's just like, look, it's absolutely like, it's not like you've, you've not been here for a month. You're no longer welcome. <laughs> like we've all got lives. We all dip in and out. And, um, I'm just thinking the other thing I think, which is, which has been really lovely, which I think has come hopefully from, being a decent human being on the internet in terms of being a streamer is is my chat also tend to self-moderate <laughs> so if someone says something in chat or someone's just like oh that's a bit over the line they, they'll, they'll almost have that conversation without my mods having to get involved yeah and it's just like i've 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 raised without raising um an intelligent hive mind which is terrifying um, because that means all that they're more likely to have their crap together than I I do on a stream. So it's constantly like, Mel, have you thought of this? No, no, haven't thought of that. But thank you, thank you for always looking out for me. <laughs> it, 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 uh, it always makes me chuckle when you talk about the community and you call them a hive mind because I'm just yeah. like, so does that make Mel the Borg Queen? Yeah, I think I am. I think I am. The thing is that I mean, it's happened more and more over the last probably six months. I, we'll be talking about something and uh, you've been in my stream. We love a pun. So there's lots of little punny one-liners being chucked around and um, we'll be talking and about you, something. And you are very famous as well for your uh, special puns. sound effects. Puns. Um, and, um, and it will literally happen where I will have two people type in chat almost instantaneously the same joke or they'll make the same pun on something I've just mispronounced. And it's just like, jinx! And it's just like, well, this is what's happened now. I've somehow collected all you people that, that think the same way as I do. <laughs> so every now and again, it's like the Matrix. Instead of seeing like a black cat and it being deja vu, one of the hive minds says exactly what the other hive mind says. <laughs> 
and and that's the thing. Like you, you alluded to it earlier, and it's such a it's such a great community because everyone is in that same mindset. You know, mm. we we all enjoy classic TV. We all uh, enjoy that little bit of uh, freedom to say what we want, but obviously we know not to take it too far. Um, and and the fact that like I love the fact that you make your streams so interactive you have your your horse's head you have your disney head you have your your snap screenshot filters oh hold on hold on yeah hold on where's my horse i've got all these all these hotkeys and i've got no idea where any of these are hold on (laughs) baby no (gasps) meta beans (laughs) hey there's my horse hey got there in the end so there we go so like if you guys if you're watching this video on youtube and you enjoy this sort of comedy shenanigans make sure you check out our link below so moving swiftly on to category three which is Mm -hmm. travel and holiday stories mel now you seem the type of person that has traveled some well this is the thing like i we as a child we, I think the only real abroad, abroad um, holiday we went on is um, we did we did a fly drive with Virgin Holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we went to America twice, um, where both times when I was about, I think we were about 13, and I went, went again when I was about 15. Um, but otherwise, we always used to holiday on the Channel Islands. We used to go to Guernsey, mostly. I think we spent one year on Jersey, but it was nearly always Guernsey in the Channel yeah. Islands. Um, I didn't really start going elsewhere. Um, oh yeah, occasionally to France. Um, until uh, I, I for work basically, um, and that took me around uh, lots of Spain, and I went to um, Team, which is up in the French Alps. Yeah, uh, lots of lots of snow, like so much snow, the most snow I've ever seen in my life. Um, uh, Vegas. Uh, which well, I would recommend for a, I don't know a week stay. Do not spend three weeks there on a filming schedule. It's horrific. It's like deja vu. You never see daylight because <laughs> if your production office is in a casino where they deliberately don't have any windows, you don't know what time of day it is. Um, but uh, I've definitely been going to more kind of non-Euro English centric speaking countries in the past four to five years um, since I met Inel. Um, my favourite being Morocco. Um, now that's one place I've not been. Yeah, Marrakesh is lovely. I thoroughly recommend Marrakesh. Um, their tea is great. Uh, the food is really good. And also I got to ride camels in the desert and it was amazing. Um, it was very kind of... <sighs> Um, Lawrence of Arabia with us all having like our little our, our camels all joined together with a bit of rope and I was at the front and me and Barry which is what I decided to call my camel totally bonded we were getting on really well Inel was on the camel behind me he wasn't getting on as well with his camel <laughs> it was it wasn't having any of it to the point where I would literally have to stop on Barry and turn around and coax his one forward because he just wasn't having any luck with it. But um, yeah, we've done Morocco, uh, Portugal, uh, Istanbul, 
Um, which when I when I kind of ream all these places off, it just sounds like um the foreign locations for different Bond films over the years, <laughs> which I think maybe I've been doing like unconsciously and not noticed. Uh, but I, I know the next place that we would both really love to go that I've, I'm really interested in visiting is Japan um, for gaming, obviously, uh, for the culture more than anything, because I think that the main thing I I think really hit me when uh, we went to, to Marrakesh is just that I was in a completely different culture to what I was used to. Like it wasn't Europe. Um, and it was it was eye-opening and it actually felt like an adventure as well as it being a holiday and relaxing it's like everything was a little bit new yeah yeah, yeah. um and i think that that that's that's kind of now what my wanderlust wants it wants to go somewhere like i'll probably still want to go to i don't know tenerife at some point for a week in the sun there's nothing wrong with that but i think it's more of a case of i want to very Star Trekky, like explore new places, new lives, and new civilizations <laughs> to boldly go where Mel's not gone before. Um, but yeah, next on next on the list would be Japan, definitely. I think um, because Universal Studios have got the Nintendo world there now. She says that here in no her way. in her igly puff top. I I I very looks so good. Slightly said to Tanya, I was like, do you think we could? get yeah. someone to look after the kids for two weeks and she was like why and I went because there's Mario World in Japan and she was like no and I was like damn <laughs> did you know Universal Studios Japan is the only Universal Studios that still has the original Back to the Future ride do you know what I I sat here and I love the Back to the Future ride at Universal I play I I I, I I um, it's turned into the Simpson hit and run or something, and yeah. it got turned into something else. But I can remember being at Universal. I can't remember if it was Florida or if it was California because we went between two years to to both coasts. Mm-hmm. But they had the the train, yeah, from Back to the Future three outside. Is it three? Yes, two, three, yes. Three. Um, and um, we must have gone on that ride three or four times. I was obsessed. And not just because I love Back to the Future, obviously, banging movie trilogy, we'll hear no different. Yeah. Um, it was also because, and this is like a little kind of mini thing I'm obsessed with, is how um, theme park fairground rides work, sort of thing. So I'm not talking like your, I don't know, carousel. Like we were all in simulated DeLoreans in this big building watching the same screen. And like I've got a very vivid recollection of like sitting up in the DeLorean we were in and looking down and seeing all these little rooms on a slope with all the other DeLoreans with everybody else who'd been queuing, obviously, all seeing the exact same thing. So, yes, I lose many hours on YouTube to the whole kind of like Disney's haunted mansion with the lights on. You know, when people are just like, we got evacuated from yes. our doom buggies and we had to walk through and see how they do all the ghosts like yes. that. Pour it in my veins. I find that so interesting. Literally, um, Tanya yeah. hates it because mm. I'm, I'm literally crying because it, you are literally describing me. So no, I, no. I, I want to know how stuff's done. I, I am. I am. Don't get me wrong. Like, if you take me to a magician, mm-hmm. I will totally like revel in the illusion. That's amazing. But the back of my head is going. Okay, well, how have they done that? And I think part of it is is been embedded into me in terms of my TV production 
head because I'm always either risk assessing or seeing how things are done or just generally thinking of it as in like if I were to block this out myself how would this work and um and for things like the Disney theme parks or even Universal like with the Imagineers um having that as a main job is just amazing I'll be just like right so your main job for the last three years is to build an animatronic that basically has I don't know like 300 points of articulation that's sick and it's just going to do this in the background of an avatar ride brilliant see, see have you have you watched the um the disney plus series on uh... no i haven't yet that's something i need to binge you, honestly you can bin, you can binge it in a day oh you can i will do that because i, I will did do it. that yeah i literally did it and they go they they go from day dot with Walt right up to, I think it's 2010-ish, mm. that sort of time period. Um, definitely worth a watch, without a shadow of a doubt. So yeah, so in short, Japan, mm -hmm. because I've now got two reasons to go to Universal Studios Japan, one of them being Super Mario World, the other one being the fact that I'll be able to ride the Back to the Future ride again, literally like 20 years after I first rode it. Um, and I just I just want to soak up the culture and do some crazy shopping because it's all going to be so cool. Well, that wraps us up to category number four, Mel. And now this is our favourite category. And mm -hmm. the reason it's our favourite category is because it is absolute bollocks. Okay. You, you, <laughs> you can talk about anything. Random facts, news anything that sort of grabs your fancy or stuff that you've heard this week so mm. have you any random facts or news do you know what i will say because it was a little bit of a running joke this week because um we watched as i as i mentioned before um we watched a lot of retro things like um this week we've watched on the buses and uh, there's certain retro shows that will always bring out certain trivia from either existing community members or passing community members. And they'll come in and be like, blah, 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 blah. Say we're watching an episode of Going for Gold, you know, the, um, the competition show that used to be on in the 90s. They'd be like, did you know Hans Zimmer did theme tune for this? You know, Hans Zimmer, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean, like every big blockbuster soundtrack you've ever heard of. And it's just like, yeah, 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 yeah. So I said to my guys on Tuesday this week, and I was like, we're going to watch an episode on the buses. But before we start, I want us to play a little game. And that game is, let's see how long it takes for someone to come into chat and go, did you know Reg Varney, who is one of the main, main um, actors in On the Buses, was the first person in the UK to use an ATM? And it's it, and, and like he was, you know how people open up shopping centers and supermarkets and stuff reg varney from on the buses was the first person to use an atm at enfield town barclays right and i said this is a ground rule and i said look it's a joke i said it's a great bit of trivia it's a fabulous bit of trivia and it's one that people would go nah never i need to see pictures and i like google it there's those newspaper articles it happened um and uh it probably took about 35 minutes and one of my regulars came in and went ah oh, I've got a great bit of trivia about on the buses. And I went, right, brace yourself. I said, if you're going to tell me what I think you're going to tell me, and don't be scared about this, 
we did speak about this at the beginning of the stream, which I don't think you were here. But if I laugh, I'm laughing at you with love and because I was expecting this. And he went, did you know Rejvani was the first person to use an ATM in the field town in Barclays? And I was just like, yes, yes. I was like, I don't know if I was starting my own bingo card of random trivia people say to me when I'm, when I'm streaming. But yeah, that's 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 a random thing I can tell you. Rejvani was the first person to use an ATM in the UK, and it was Enfield Town Barclays, which wow. is still there, by the way. It's still there, that that um that Barclays. Which is actually a, a, a pretty amazing thing in itself, considering mm. how many banks have changed hands and and shifted and, and moved. Yeah. Like, st still in the same place. Still wow. in the same place. Wow. Um, other random trivia fact. Uh, I am in a Japanese Jaguar advert somewhere, somewhere, as a ballerina when I was 10. I was part of a ballerina kind of ensemble for a, uh, a Japanese Jaguar advert that was shot over here in Berkshire. I got cast from my dance school at the time. We didn't really do much dancing. It was more just prancing around in leotards. I think they just wanted a lot of very English Rose style looking children. Um, to there was some sort of storyline uh, where Bethany, which is another girl from my dancing school at the time, came out of her house and uh, <laughs> kind of pirouetted into a Jaguar and then went to her dance studio. And then there's all of us doing our all the rest of it. And um, I've never seen it. It exists somewhere. Well, I am literally um, looking for it. And I've it. been on... Yeah, I've been on the history of advertising the whole lot. And then obviously I've, um, through work, I've uh, I've actually asked a couple of my archive producers to see mm. if they could dig something out in a spare five minutes. But um, I wonder whether they ever actually made it because that does happen quite often. Adverts yeah. are shot and they're never used. But yeah, somewhere, somewhere, there is 10-year-old ballerina Mel in a Japanese mm. Jaguar advert. And I'll be damned if I can find it. At all. So but, it, would, yeah. it would have been 90s? Yeah. Guinness. Also, I was played, I can remember, I had a little little brown manila envelope. Mm -hmm. I think we got paid like 40 quid, which is ridiculous. Wow. Also, I was a second casting. I wasn't one of the original uh, group that got picked. Mm -hmm. But then one of the girls pulled out or was ill. So we did a second casting. And we went with our parents, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there was me and... Because they came in and took Polaroids of us all. And and uh, it was me and another girl uh, who I want to say was called Claire. It's a very long time ago. Yeah. Um, who had a very pushy mother. You know, mm -hmm. they're kind of like, you must do this, you must do that. Mm -hmm. like, I danced for fun. My mum just wanted me to have a hobby. So, like, I used to do ballet, uh, modern and tap when I was little, you know keep the kids exercising and doing things um, and uh, I can remember being sat all of us sat there and there was who I assumed to be the director or the casting guy talking away in Japanese to a translator and um, he was sat there the entire time and he's like blah 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 blah, blah. and he kept pointing at me <clears throat> and um, came away from it afterwards and they were just like oh we'd like you to do it and uh 
I can just remember us doing that meeting and I'm going to call her Claire. I think her name was Claire. Her going back over to her mum to tell her that she hadn't got it and she was in floods of tears. And she also went to my primary school and I can remember us doing our SATs. And again, I can remember her physically having a breakdown during the exam because she was so petrified. Like I cannot find it for love nor money. No, trust me. If if you do, I mean, gold star because I've I've not been able. To, I've been looking for it for years, absolutely years. Although you never know these days, it's probably good to turn up on YouTube and someone's VHS rip. Yeah. So, but yeah, somewhere there is a Japanese Jaguar commercial with me in a. Wow. And yeah, Reg Varney used the first ATM in the UK, in Enfield Town. See, and this is one of the reasons why I love coming into your uh, into your stream because one of <laughs> one of your um, stream points is random television facts, and I, mm. I, I love hitting that one. Like, no, give me, give me another one. Also, like <laughs> I learned things. Oh god, what did I learn on stream today? Someone told me something really interesting. God, I can't remember. This is what happens. My brain's got such short term <laughs> memory sort of like repository. Once I don't need it anymore, it just lets it go. It's what happens when you work in reality too much and things change constantly. You just don't have any memory retention. And my brain's like completely ruined from it. But I'm getting better. <laughs> I, I do have to ask, Mel, what is mm. it you actually do? I know you work in television. I know, you, I know you're, you're like mother hen to mm. whatever it is you do. But what is it you, you actually do? Um, over the years, I have been a production coordinator and an assistant producer. So I have been a, on the production point in terms mm -hmm. of logistics and just basically being big mother hen and making sure everything's health and safety and people are fed and put in rooms and we've got the right kit and looked after talent. Um, and then I've also done the producing side, which is... Um, Sourcing contributors, locations, making, I don't know, like almost like story point, points, events for things to do, which mm -hmm. is probably like, like my more producery side has obviously come out onto Twitch. Yeah. Whereas like the more logistic technical side, which is from my production background, has also kind of come out onto Twitch because that's more about like how I present things or it kind of meshes in because um, I think I've said many times when I've been speaking about like how streaming isn't really that easy and i'm not talking about being discovered i'm talking no, no. about like if you want to do the bells and whistles because if this like what we're doing right now mm -hmm. was a a funded production mm -hmm. it wouldn't just be me and you there would be at least what 15 people here i would have said at least yeah. i'm not mean at, at the recording i mean over everything in general mm -hmm being from like your production manager, maybe a researcher, a runner, an AP, you then got your your um, your sound recordist for the studio. Mm -hmm. um, and then maybe if we we're in a studio, then you've also got your studio runner or your sound assistant. Um, and a lot of a lot of content creators who run intensely high spec production value streams. Mm -hmm are doing what literally a technical team of something sometimes up to 15 to 20 to 30 people would do on a broadcast production. Um, which is why I was saying multitasking is so important. <laughs> very, very much so. Um, yeah, because uh, for all these years that I've known you, I've never, I, I, I knew you worked in telly and I knew you, you had like the whole, as you put it, mother hen, Mm. Uh, side of things but I, I never actually knew 
what you actually did. Yeah, no, I've drifted. I've gone from reality to factual to reality again. Mm. And then in factual, and at the moment, I've taken a staff job where I'm still within a production company, but I'm not physically on productions at the moment, which suits me fine because that means I'm not getting panicked phone calls from i don't know a pd in leeds going oh i left the lens we need for that shoot tomorrow in london but like brilliant how do you expect me to fix that which Hmm. which trust me has happened before or i've had talent miss their flights um i've actually been the hail mary when other productions when i've left production companies basically gone um so we're all in australia and redacted talent person here was supposed to come on the second plane, but she didn't get to the airport in time. Do you mind organising and booking a second flight for them and then also meeting them at Terminal 5 to make sure they go through security so we know they're definitely on the flight? (laughs) Yes. Yes, I will do that. Yeah, why not? Yeah, sounds like a laugh. Um, So, yeah. Um, So, another reason why... Twitch ticks a lot of boxes for me. This is this is my producer brain. Like, what can I do content-wise? Mm-hmm. And also why I enjoy doing stuff like Melly Addicts and putting yeah. kind of like content strands together. Yeah. Because it kind of stretches all my brains in all different directions. Um, but yeah, jack of all trades, master of none, oh, brain no, of a sieve, all you, of these things. You're a master of few, at least, Mel. You've got to be. <laughs> Uh, a couple, a couple. My unconscious brain tends to know what's going on more than my actual brain, especially when it comes to like remembering things. Like it's almost just like I want to say this. Me is that both. right? Um, is, is that so, the yeah. right word to use? Is that the right? That's that, that's the right answer. So, so, um, but, um, so just a couple random facts from this side of the the uh, the uh, the studio. Did you know originally high heels were made for men? Ooh, no, I did not. Yeah, so in the 10th century, men in Europe uh, adapted shoes to have heels and originally were designed for men. See, we're so so progressive, us Europeans. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, uh, New York was briefly named New Orange. Ah, I didn't yes. do that. Yeah, so um, so basically when the Dutch went over to New York, um, mm. well, when they went over to America and they started... Yeah, I knew it was um, a Dutch settlement. Yeah. Um, they, uh, it was to, to honour Will, uh, William III of Orange. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there you go. That's uh, another little tidbit. New for, Orange, New Orange. Yeah, it just doesn't... Could work. No, it doesn't have doesn't really. No. Um, oh, this is a fun one. I've got a list of stuff that I've been finding out. Green eggs and ham started as a bet. Yeah, to be honest, it doesn't sound like anything I ever want to eat. Um, so basically, he was, um, the Dr. Seuss was, um, Mm. betted $50 to write a book that made absolutely no sense at all and was absolutely disgusting and it went on to being one of his biggest um bestsellers so see. yeah yeah see. happy little accidents it always happens always happens when you least when you least expect it hmm. um 
But I think we're going to leave the random vaccine news there. Thank you very much, Mel. You have been an absolute star. So once again, ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for our guest and co-host this evening. She is Mel. I, I, I got I got a boost in a boost in the uh, in the ranking. Co-host and guest, guest and, and co-host. Yeah, perfect. Yes. <laughs> um, thank you very much for joining us today. Um, it has been an absolute pleasure. Again, we want to wish Brian a speedy recovery and hopefully he will be all tickety-boo ready for the next part of the show. Um, but until then, guys, if you haven't already done so, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Check out all the links for myself and for Brian and for Mel um, down in the comments below, down there. Um, and we will see you all next time on We Don't Need Roads.